0: Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello there, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. And today we are thrilled to have Lindsay McCormick of Bite with us. You guys are in for a treat. Not only are you going to hear her story of how she launched Bite, but you're also going to learn a little bit more than you thought you might need to know about toothpaste, but you'll be so glad that you did. Lindsay, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited, Netta.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Bite? Like what is what is Bite? Yeah. So uh, Bite Toothpaste Bits are dry tablets and they
1: come in glass jars and compostable refill pouches. And the company, Bite, we now make all sorts of plastic-free oral care. So from toothpaste to mouthwash tablets to plastic-free bamboo toothbrushes to floss, uh, we've kind of expanded. And our mission is to help get rid of the 1 billion plastic toothpaste tubes that end up in our oceans and landfills every single year. And I started in a living room in 2017. And since then, we've now grown to, you know, where we were one of Business Insider's um, 22 inventions to saving the world. And I was one of Fast Company's most creative people in business. And now we actually just uh, got a accolade that I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing, especially where we came from. We were one of Business Insider's 21 companies to bet your career on in 2021. So, uh, so wow. it's like, and from starting with no business background uh, in a living room, that was kind of a, a really humbling experience.
0: Congratulations. So, yeah. I'm so honored that you're on the podcast with us. Um, That's fantastic. Good for you. I I have to ask, did this start as a, in your living room, did this start as a, I really want to make toothpaste venture or I really want to save the world venture?
1: So for me, I've always been super passionate about the environment. I'm like a, I'm a long-term vegan, and before doing this, I was a surf and snowboard instructor, and like I would be out here in LA, actually right outside where we are right now. I'm sitting in my bedroom, but right outside is the ocean, and I was out there every day just watching more and more plastic wash up on my surfboard while I was out mm. there. And then I ended up getting into TV because documentaries, I just feel like, have had such an impact on me, like Plastic Ocean and all, just all sorts yeah. of different documentaries. And so I was like, that's what I want to do to change the world, and then it was when I. I was traveling for TV shoots that I was going through those little toothpaste tubes, which is such a random thing to like end up having a problem with. Um, But I like, you know, I had my, you know, shampoo and conditioner bottles I could always refill, but I was going through these little tubes and I was like, this is so wasteful. So I started looking for alternatives and there was nothing out there that I could use. And I didn't have a dentist or chemistry background. And so I started looking into like, what is toothpaste? Why well, is it well, in a tube? Sorry, my little dog's with me. No, it's that's okay. From it's home, it's from COVID. Problems. It's what we do. <laughs> exactly. I get it.
0: You'll see one of my three kids at, at any moment, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: Love it. You know, and it just seemed, It. I just started looking into, you know, why is toothpaste the way that it is and what else could it be made from? So I yeah. started talking to dentists and dental hygienist. And then I was like, let's make a tablet. And so, you know, there were already some tablets on the market, but they were either in plastic. And then through mm. that, I started realizing all of the ingredients that I was like, wait a minute, like, I don't even use that in my shampoo and I'm putting it in my mouth, you know? Right. And so I started being like, what's a more natural product that I could use that's still safe and effective. And so that's how it all started. And it was, it was a hobby that became an obsession, <laughs> you know, cause it was, it was, Started with a question of like why and like what could I use for my life that would be better. Yeah. And then it was like, why are people doing it this way? And like wh- like how have we all just been like, yeah, this makes sense. Like just put a paste with a bunch of preservatives and artificial flavors and that's cool. You know, and so it was like, okay, so now what would it be if it was better? And then I started like buying different ingredients and doing more research. And then it's kind of that like sunk cost. Well, like, well, now I did I already did this much. Now I should do this yeah. much more ended up buying a tableting machine to make it for myself. And then once I bought a machine. A tableting a th-
0: machine is a thing?
1: Okay, so I had to learn <laughs> Who about knew? this. So I had set my toaster oven on fire. It all started with I was like, I'm gonna make these little like toothpaste balls, right? So right. I'm gonna like make it, you know, but instead of using water and paste. We have to use all these preservatives. I'm going to put coconut oil in it and I'm going to put powder in it and I'm going to bake it in my oven like slowly and try to make these like hard balls that could go in a glass jar that could then yeah. be fillable, illuminating plastic. Well, that didn't work. Set the toaster oven on fire. And I was like, hmm, I think I might finally have to do tablets. And so I had to figure out how to how, like, how do, like, tableting machines are gigantic. They're hundreds of thousands of dollars, like, when you're, you know, using these manufacturers. So I was like, how do you make a tablet in your house? And so I actually, I was like, who makes tablets in their houses? And I was like, I mean, drug dealers do. Like, they do. So I actually (laughs) spent, like, an insane amount of time on Reddit looking up yeah. like how you make drugs because I was like that is going to be how I make it ta- because those pe- the, you're making tablets in your house. Right. So I was like that's how I can make a tablet in my house. And I actually had to get vetted by the DEA to buy the machine that I bought and they were like what's the purpose of this machine? And I was like organic toothpaste tablets. <laughs> they were like – They're like good know, one. Good one. Exactly. Sure it is. <laughs> that's
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> that exactly it. So then it was like then and that machine I remember – at the time it was like so exp- it was a thousand dollars. And I was like, this has really gotten real, right? Like I yeah. this was like a hobby that now I'm spending a thousand dollars on on this machinery, <clears throat> like getting vetted. And so I was like, Well, now I'm gonna sell it, right? Because now it's like I wanna make my money back from it. I figured my parents and some friends and some people would be into it the way that yeah. I was. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna make like an Etsy shop and I'm just gonna sell this thing. So it started on Etsy, quickly went into Shopify because And this was like in 2017. So Shopify was still like kind of new. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So that's, that's, and then once it got on Shopify, it was kind of, that was it.
0: Done. So Did it go viral? (laughs) Was it sort of like a few people got a hold of it and it was the answer to all their toothpaste woes? Or, or did you guys, did you guys spend some energy in marketing and promoting it?
1: So it started, I mean, for a year it, I had done $6,000 in sales for an entire year. And that was like, great for me. Like that was like, this is amazing. Um, Because, you know, I, again, like a lot of my friends were active in the vegan community and the low waste community and zero waste community. And Mm -hmm. this was, you know, in 2017, where like zero waste was not a thing, plant based, I don't think that word had even gotten around. So like, these were still very niche communities and products were not necessarily being made for them. Right. And so and it just happened to be who I was. And so when I started making these things, my friends who were vegan bloggers and and low waste bloggers started writing about it because they were like, this solves our problem. And so it was like these micro, I mean like literally my friends, they had like a few thousand followers, um, but they were exactly who my customer was. And so that's kind of how it all started. And then um, from those blogs, women's health a year later had reached out to me and was like, hey, we love featuring female founded business. Like at the time they were making like, I mean, they were making videos on female founded businesses all the time. Yeah. And they were like, could you send us some footage of you, you know, like talking about your business, maybe like making your toothpaste tablets and like we'll, tr- we'll make a video for you and put it up, like give us the rights and we'll put it up. And I was like, okay and so okay it was, if you insist yeah, was, it's like yes I will sign anything for you yeah um, and so and so it was like this was still very much a hobby like my boyfriend who had done the branding for the website uh, for my yeah. birthday actually the website uh, when I was doing it looked terrible <laughs> and then he's and like he, let me
0: fix that he sure. was he, he was your Kanye. If you were Kim, he was your Kanye with the the dressing advice. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's exactly. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> this is a reflect. Like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> this is a reflection on me as your boyfriend. Right. Uh, and so you know, he, he he dug in and he did like an amazing, uh, just like a great job. You know, and like, and so it's beautiful. He has, is he who's he still is, it, like? I mean, evolved. it's beautiful.
0: Your yeah. site is beautiful. I actually, have Thank it up you. in the corner of the screen right now. Yeah. It's great.
1: Yeah. And so uh, thank you. And he, I mean, he works so hard. He he still like codes every, every little pixel on that site is him. So, you know, he had, um, he had redone the branding and the site for my birthday. And so now it like, I kind of had this like badass site and then women's health was like, will you send us these videos? And like literally shot them on my iPhone at six in the morning before leaving for a TV shoot. because I was flying like I didn't really even have makeup on my hair. It was like it is not good. But I didn't <laughs> think this was I didn't think anything was going to happen. And then a few weeks later, they didn't even tell me that they had posted the video. They posted it. But I didn't know that. And I was sitting at home and my phone started going insane, like just like blinging off. And I was like, what has happened? I thought I was being hacked. Um, But really, (laughs) the video had gone up and gone insane viral, like more than they, like they emailed me after and they were just like, we had no idea this was going to happen. Like we did not know. Um, and so it just, it ended up getting like 2 million views in the first oh my like, day up. Yeah. And I went from wow. $6,000 in sales to 200,000 in like <gasps> a
0: week. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Were you, did you have another job at the time? You said you were going, oh, yeah. you were flying somewhere. I was full time for- on
1: TV. Yeah. Like oh not on TV, gosh. behind the camera. Yeah. behind. I was a producer. Wow. And so literally this was happening. And I was in LA when that happened, but I had to leave for a shoot like two days later. And I was just like, oh my God. And so <laughs> I was still making these things in my living room. Like we immediately sold out, right? Immediately sold out. We were back ordered for months. And it was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Like We have a business. This resonates. Like I needed – I had to get business insurance. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have business insurance. I was like this is like a real – It just got real. real. It just got real. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so it was – I actually stayed at my job in TV and I'd love to kind of get into this too. But I stayed at my job in TV way longer than I feel like any – one else would have in that situation. And I, but then finally after about two months, I, I had quit because so I wanted to find the right person. I wanted to make sure I didn't leave them an alert. Like this right. was not supposed to happen. I didn't expect this to happen. <laughs> and so, right. you know, you don't, even though there might be, you know, one day you have a fantasy of being like, peace, I'm done. I'm, I'm quitting. Yeah. like when it yeah. actually gets to it, you're like, I don't want to leave you in a bad spot, you know? And so it's yeah. a totally different thing. And then from after that, my boyfriend and I have been full-time on bite ever since.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What do you think it was? I mean, it obviously surprised the publication too. What do you think it was about the video? Do you think it was you as a female founder? Do you think it was your passion for this thing? Do you think it was the physical product that they saw? And they were like, oh, that's really cool. That answers a need. I
1: think, it was, I, I think it was the right product at the right time with the mm-hmm. right mission. And mm-hmm. I think people were they're wanting these things. And I think that like, that is like a change in customer behavior that the big brands have, have not even thought about. Like the fact that I think people really want products that are better for them, better for the planet, better for animals, like better in general, you know, no animal testing or being cruelty-free, you know, better in general. And I think that, you know, it really showed that the way you know, the the way you think people just want it, like cheaper, faster, mm-hmm. what is just no longer the mentality yeah. of, of a good amount of people enough to have a business, right? You know? And yeah. so I think it was that, I think it was the fact that it was, you know, it's it's toothpaste. We all use it every day, twice a day, hopefully. Um,
0: yeah. And hopefully. so it's something, yeah. <laughs> Let, I'll have my thirteen-year-old really son listen to this. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <Yes. laughs>
1: You'd be surprised when we make TikTok videos because that's something that we now. I think TikTok is so fun, and there are just so many people being like, "I only brush my teeth once a day," and I'm like, "You guys, you know, uh, yeah." They tell like, you 14. that. <laughs> oh yeah but they're young you know you click okay and okay, like, okay and I'm like we need to do a PSA like, this is like,
0: I don't care what good. you use you can use whatever for you want you. Just, just, get yeah. just get it done just get it done so you you said that you wanted to get into this and I, I want to go back to it really quickly because yeah. I I think I know what you might say and I think it's going to be really good advice but you said you didn't leave right away Why why didn't you leave your day job right away
1: I, I, and I think there's so, this is like a really interesting thing there's so many entrepreneurs who will tell you if you don't leave your day job, it means you're not taking your job, you know, your passion seriously and stuff. And I will like completely contradict that advice because I think that one of the, huge reasons that Bite is so successful is that by staying at my day job, I was able to do Bite exactly on my own terms. I was able to take no shortcuts. I was able to do everything right. And instead, it's like you already are so up against the odds when you have this like baby bird of a company that you're trying to protect from from everything. You know, it's like your little growing bird. And like the idea that you now need to Fund your life off of it and like feed yourself off of it. Yeah. You're gonna kill the bird. You know what I'm saying? And it takes away the magic and it takes away. And so I would say to to anybody, you know, I always say is like wait until you're being pulled to to you know do yeah. your company instead of trying to like push yourself away from your your day job. Yeah, um, and suffocate and, like, it because you're
0: relying on it so <sighs> much that you're take you you're taking the oxygen out of the idea. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I um, agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you shared. I thought maybe that's where you were going, so I wanted you to say it out loud. And yeah, uh, listeners have heard me or other people say something very similar. You know, whether it's an artist who's like, keep your day job. You know, you don't have to be a starving artist. You can create amazing work and do whatever you need to do to pay the bills. And then when the art begs that you need to leave that day job because it, you know, you've got enough customers and the, and the um, mm-hmm. revenue is there, that's a different story. So I appreciate yeah, you saying absolutely. that. Tell us a little bit about your experience. We, you, you talked about caring, you were a vegan and you talked about caring about the environment as a snowboarder and surfer, I think you said. Yeah. But tell us about your kind of entrepreneurial background. You were in film. Or is uh-huh. that what you were doing before? Yeah. So, like, did you think you yeah. wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, is this all a happy accident? Definite happy accident. I wanted to be a documentary filmmaker, you know, and I, I love yeah.
1: content. I, I I love that the fact that we started from a video because I'm like, wow, that is so fitting just because I, I think content is so powerful and important. Mm-hmm. And it's a really big part of what we do. Like, we kind of tackle these big complex problems where – you know, we are more expensive than other conventional toothpaste. We do have a lot of education that we need to be able to, you know, a lot of messaging we need to be able to communicate to our customers. And I, I really valued being transparent, and being able to do that. So, you know, for me, that was my trajectory. But it, it is as a TV producer, you are freelance. And same with surf instructor, or snowboard instructor. I was, I've always been freelance. You know, and then I had a bunch of odd jobs before that. So it's, you know, you're figuring out like how to you know, live in that kind of unstructured life, which I think is definitely very uh, entrepreneurial as well. Yes, it is. But yeah, but business, I I really had no interest in in running business. I really didn't see, and I think this is also that consumer trend, I didn't really see businesses doing good, right? Like Mm -hmm. I, of course, you know, there's like the Dr. Bronner's and the Patagonia's, but for the most part, for me, and something that I really had to spend a few years now that I'm running my own business, kind of wrapping my head around, is that Businesses can be this, like, huge force for good. Yep. And it's like it all depends on who's running it and long as they're staying true to their mission. And I I had to really understand that. And at first I didn't, which I think is why I had no interest in having a business. And now I'm literally, like, getting my crash course in business on the job.
0: So, yeah. yeah. I have to <laughs> say something, two things, actually. The freelance history that you had absolutely prepared you for being an entrepreneur because, It is, there's so much inconsistency in schedule, in demands, in the need, in the paycheck to paycheck, all of it is, it feels very entrepreneurial. So you got a crash course, but also I said (laughs) at a happy accident, and I want to say I only meant that in terms of you had no intention of being a, an entrepreneur. There are no successful entrepreneurs that happen on accident. It's a lot no. of hard work. I it's know. a lot of hard work. So I wanted I wanted to make sure I got that in. You talked about kind of how you came to this by, you know, both seeing the need, seeing the waste, really, and mm-hmm. then trying to solve for that, given your your passions and and what you cared about. Did you know that that you were going to bring this together in a D to C model? Like it's so specific. Did you, because you could have made toothpaste and gone to a trade show and sold it in, you know, local health food markets or whatever. Why, how did you decide this?
1: (laughs) That was actually the plan. So it was, so D to C was because I was living in LA working as a TV producer the mm-hmm. only way I could sell my product would be online because this was like a, a night my night job basically right. you know and so I could build that while I was working and so for me it was d2c out of necessity also something that I thought was incredibly important and something that's like one of the backbones of our brand is that we are subscription so it is like you can buy one offs for sure we offer that for people cuz not everyone wants a subscription but the whole idea is to kind of it's to minimize the amount of deliveries minimize the amount of waste yep. and that means you get one glass bottle that you keep on refilling. So when you look at, you know, other brands that had done it, like Dollar Shave Club, and every, it just goes to that, because people don't really want to drive to a place to get, you know, to to get their refills, um, for the most part, I don't think. So that was, you know, out of necessity. But one of the main, I thought, you know, before we went viral, that my main, like, point of sale would actually be going to zero waste shops all over the US and mm-hmm. trying to convince them to sell my product in their shop. Because I was like, oh, that's, you know, so it was very much started out being, you know, now I know the word is omnichannel, right? But it was going to be yeah. like, you know, selling to DTC and then also selling in retail places. But then what happened is when we went viral and like I had to get a manufa- manufacturing set up and everything. It was just like, wow, I really value this relationship with our customer. We can make changes on the fly. Like if you would have yeah. tried Bite when we first started and try it now, it tastes way better now. And that's because of our customers. because they gave me feedback and they told yeah. me like we needed this. And, and so I was like, why jeopardize that? And let's keep it D2C, you know, I do think there'll be a time where we do need to take retail more seriously. But right now, yeah, uh, direct to consumer or selling it, you know, just online is is where we're
0: at. Well, plus you get to, I mean, one of the brilliant things I think about D2C is you get to own that consumer relationship, you know, that client relationship. They really become clients. and. Then you can, I mean, I joked earlier, I think before we were recording about another project you could do another vertical with makeup, but there are other things that you're learning by listening to them and what their needs are. And you could do that. You can expand based on what the need is because you've developed the relationship. You have their address. You know what they like Mm -hmm. and want. You know how to deliver things to them. So there's so much opportunity for growth that, you know, other things that would help the environment in a similar way. And oral care can just be the beginning uh, of that. So I love that. I think that's brilliant. And it doesn't exclude you or preclude you from also including retail in that. You can, you can absolutely do that and have that uh, as a part of your business. Many have pivoted during this pandemic. We too have shifted to meet the needs of our growing community of female founders. We wanna use this podcast conversation as a starting point for deeper dialogue and to connect you to the resources, tools, and tips shared within these interviews. Please join us on the Liberty Network to connect, collaborate, and keep talking. And a few other perks in the Liberty Network. Join our monthly virtual Mentor Monday meetups, create and share your profile with the whole community, and access the brain trust of entrepreneurial women, all for free. To join the conversation, head to libertyforher.com. That's L-I-B-E-R-T-Y-F-O-R-H-E-R.com. And click on the bar at the top of the homepage that says, Join the Liberty Network. Clearly, your core values sort of motivated or inspired what you're doing now. How how much of that do you think is important when somebody's starting out on kind of their entrepreneurial path?
1: I definitely don't think everyone's motivation should be or needs to be, you know, sustainability or anything sure. like that, right? It, it should definitely be true to whatever their passion is. But I think that whatever that is, find it and harness it. Because starting a business is the hardest thing in the entire world and that is what you are going to fall back on when things get really, really tough. And like, you know, at, at the beginning, it's it's so non-linear. Like you think that you're going from like, you know, point A to point B, but what you don't really understand is that there's about 57 other points in there that you did not know were there and you're yeah. zigzagging back and forth and taking step back and take, you know, and you're, you're kind of all over the place just to get to where you think is just so close. What gets me through it is, you know, watching Plastic Ocean or going for a walk on the beach and picking up some trash, something that where I'm like – this is why I'm doing this. Okay, this is what, get back and get to work. And so whether you're, you know, trying to empower women or trying it, it whatever your passion is, yeah, you it has to be beyond like being successful in money because like you yeah. can be way more successful make way more money working for someone else, you know. And so it's, true. it's finding that and that becomes your superpower and that kind of gives you the strength when things get really tough to just be like, "Nope, got to just keep powering through because this is bigger than, you know, my Frustrations with this situation.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I also imagine that uh, people that you drew, customers, employees that you're drawing to the company, share that passion, share that core value. Is that true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you will attract who you are, you know. And so our customers, they are like me. They ask so many questions and they want to know everything. And I love that because we want that. That is how you have educated consumers who are asking important questions. And so I'm like, we have a six-page long blog post that I've written on why we did that, you know. And so I get it. I respect it. I think it's so important. And it's like that's also kind of why you can't fake it because mm-hmm. you're going to attract more of it and if you're faking it or trying to hide anything like there it's it's I just couldn't imagine that hanging over your head trying to like function like while you're trying yeah well to get it
0: all together. and th- now your customer you know? knows more than you do if you're not authentic to right like they're going to be like right. why are you using these products or why you're right. saying that this is so great but your delivery of the refill is in a plastic Container right. or what you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you I have mean, to be true to it.
1: Yeah, and we're not. And like the thing is, too, is like we're not perfect, and we're constantly evolving. And I love our customers for that. Like one of the things that you know, we at first we were using like an EcoCert palm oil in our products, and mm-hmm. our customer is like me, so they want to know why. What are the certificate? How do you know? And I was like, and at first I was like, wow, man? Like, why are they really like that's a it's EcoCert? What do you want from me? you know? And then I <laughs> yeah. looked at it, and I was just like no like there's this transparency issue with the certification of palm oil. And I was like, oh, so this certification actually doesn't mean as much as I thought it did. And right. wow, we really need to think this through. I would really recommend everyone having these brands they kind of look up to. And I really looked up to Dr. Bronner's. And I was like, whoa, man. I was like, so they're using palm oil, but they literally have people on the ground in those countries making sure the working environment and everything. I was like, we can't afford, I can't do that. So I was like, OK, right. so I need to take a step back. We need to get palm oil out of our formula entirely. We need to reformulate. And And, you know, and that's one of those things where we're not, we're not perfect. My intention is always to be as the best we can be, to be perfect, right? But it's not going to be, I'm going to be sometimes working off bad information or, you know, I have my eyes closed to something and I love that our customer is like, you need to look at this. And then I do and I'm like, you're right. (laughs) We're changing this, you know. Which makes them
0: trust you more. I think, I think people don't expect perfection. They actually expect you to care. They expect mm-hmm. to matter to the brands that, you know, and to be heard and seen. There's evidence of that. Like you've changed things according to that. So I think there's a million lessons in what you just said. And if all of us as business owners paid closer attention to the people that we serve and really listened versus like, no, this is my product. This isn't like forcing what we had. I'm learning from you right now. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I want to transition a little bit into kind of the the brain picking part of, of the conversation. And we wanted you to be a part of this season because we're talking about different ways companies have pivoted. And I think for you being D 2 C and going through 2020 and into 21 uh, now, it's obvious that we're still feeling the effects of 2020 and will for a long time. But Tell me a little bit about what were some of the pivots that you internally experienced, and then I'd like to talk about it externally too, like customer facing. But internally, what did what did last year mean for you?
1: Yeah, so we're a small company, we're a young company, we're a small team. So we're lucky in the case that we can be super nimble, we're unlucky in the case that we're always against bandwidth, right? Yeah. And so we're always limited bandwidth. So even the littlest bit of change can just be like, Really rock things, right. and so we, you know, we we had been previously out of a living room. We're still out of a living room, so that didn't really change. We have a really tight relationship with our manufacturers. They're all here in LA, from our boxes to our bottles to our tablets. Uh, and I'm used to being there like all the time. We were always having new products, new flavors, and so I would just be there a lot. That obviously has not happened since COVID. So, like, I have, I've been, I have not, I'm not even allowed in the facilities, you know, which is crazy for right. me. Cause I'm a little bit of a control freak, but you know, they're doing a great job and they're keeping everything safe. So, for me. That has been definitely a little bit of a change. And then we all went from initially, you know, working together in a living room to now being in our own living rooms. Where it, and you'd be like, well, that's pretty lucky because at least you're used to living rooms. Uh, but it's yeah. like, how do you manage that? So we we tried being on Google Hangout all the time because you're so used to being like, hey, did you do this? Or hey, can you do that? And we, we do set time for deep work during the day so everyone can kind of get into their flow. But we, we did have a lot of time where you're constantly, you know, like spontaneously talking to each other. So that was, you know, we had to experiment with a bunch of different things like logistically, like are we all just going to be like have on video on a Google Hangout or a <laughs> yeah. Zoom yeah. and be like, hey, I got a question, you know. And so luckily, eventually, actually, everyone just kind of got sick of being in their own apartments and we weren't seeing anybody anyway. And so we started, you know, meeting back up in our apartment, which was Way helpful, so those were the kind of things internally that we are small and we're figuring things out. And so, where a big company possibly would, this would be crazy, but you'd maybe have like protocol or like yeah. possibly like somebody else to deal with it. It's like yeah. me googling like how to you know <laughs> coach an online workforce. You know, what I mean, like what am I doing? Yeah. Um, so that was you know a lot of Google. And then what we also do is like, we have a background in now formulation, like we, we formulated quite a few products now. And so when there was a, you know, we were all obviously like totally taken back like everybody when everything started happening, you know, and like with the everything starts closing, we can't find hand sanitizer, you know, and we've, we started, you know, making actually hand sanitizer in house to donate. And we were giving it to there was a like basically a homeless population here in LA, because they kind of it was kind of like just like everything shut down and you're supposed to be in your yeah. house. And you're like, well, what do you do if you're not in your house? And so that was like an outlet. You know, you kind of talked about w- you we, at- you attract who you are. So yeah. there's a bu- like we're a bunch of busy people. <laughs> we like to be busy. And so I think like that was a physical outlet of being able to track down isopropyl alcohol in L.A. I mean, we were driving around to different warehouses being like, we'll buy that off you. We'll buy that off you. You know, like right. we need this glycerin. And, you know, throwing it together to make this hand sanitizer that we just then donated. And I think it was like that was like a great physical outlet for us and a team building experience as well and being able to do something good.
0: Yeah, so. the, those are some major internal pivots, both, I think, it, going back to your core value and taking it outside of the company and, you know, something that's that you're putting back in your own pocket. But I imagine as the leader of this team, like it must have been really inspiring for your uh employees to be like, okay, we're doing something that matters, we're doing something that counts. It's an extension of our brand and what we believe in anyway. And then I appreciate the Googling things like how do you how do you um, manage a, an online team remotely? Like it's it's tough. People have had to you know, it's not just shutting down businesses that that took a hit. It's like, how do you manage the logistics of a business? And the communication has been huge. I think a lot of HR professionals, you know, that are consultants probably had a really good year last year because <laughs> a lot of people were calling on them. When we talk about pivots, a lot of times we talk about, like people think of it as a 180, like they switched mm-hmm. their business model to survive. You know, they used to manufacture candles and now they're manufacturing hand sanitizer, you know, or whatever, masks. We've heard a lot of those stories. Or they were a restaurant and now you can get packaged groceries. Like they're still working farm to table with their suppliers, but it's groceries instead of food, uh, you know, prepared food. But not every pivot is 180. Some pivots are just that like 10%, you know, something that's like, okay, we need to adjust. On the client-facing side of things, were there any pivots for you guys to any degree?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we are a sustainably centric company and that's what, you know, we talked a lot about that already. What we are now learning to communicate even more, right? Ingredients matter. They've always mattered. I've always been, it's always been something that's been very important to me, but I didn't necessarily think it was kind of like a like an important but nice to have thing to our customer because they're looking for that more eco-friendly option, right? And so, but now with the lockdown and people thinking a lot more about their health and a lot more about what they're putting in their bodies and a lot more about where it's coming from, we're now explaining way more, like we're made in the US, I mean, actually Los Angeles, and we're made with high quality ingredients that are, you know, better for you, better for the plant, you know, and so that's like, we're in the process of getting like our EWG certification. And like I didn't think What's EWG? Uh, environmental working group, Okay, they basically look up ingredients and they'll be like, yeah. this is good or not good, you know, and they give a lot, you a rating. Do a lot
0: of makeup companies? Yes. Yeah. That's, yes. that's why I know it. Okay. And like, so clean beauty is a huge yes. thing, right? And yes. clean
1: ingredients have always been incredibly important, but it wasn't something that I, you know, it was important, but it was always, we were just sustainable, we're the sustainability, it's more sustainable, it's more sustainable. Yeah. Um, and so now we're really seeing, we have a whole new type of customer who is more interested, like they look at our ingredients and they're like, these are the best ingredients that we've seen of a toothpaste. It's nice that you're eco-friendly, but we're really getting it because this is better for my body. This is, I right. trust these ingredients more. And so for me, for us, it's like, that's a, that's, that's a new customer, you know? So like, let's, how do we mm-hmm. talk to them? Who are they? And so, um, and it's like awesome and exciting and totally not something that I would expect, have expected to become around because of the pandemic, but hindsight, of course, you know, people are thinking more about ingredients. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that has definitely become way more of a priority to us in terms of communication because it's not we actually aren't changing any of our ingredients they were already good you know so now it's more like oh wait we need to talk about this more we need to explain this more so
0: and d- did you guys feel any kind of bump in subscriptions because people were sitting around at home or not able to I mean you could you can have your toothpaste delivered right and, yeah. and there are large, large companies that we all know of that can deliver toothpaste to you. Yeah. But did you think that they were just being more conscientious, not just about the product, but also just about delivery. delivery in general, like just getting things to the door, cutting out all the middlemen?
1: Yep. You know, more people wanting to buy things online, less people wanting to uh, go to the store. And that's, you know, across the board and we've seen that jump up we've seen that and the way that there's more people trying it and then liking it and subscribing yeah for sure that has been something like the and kind of these not social acceptance cuz online shopping has always been socially accepted but yeah. even you know people who you wouldn't think are online
0: shoppers are now online shoppers because like it, who they who home. do you not think of as an online shopper
1: um I would say, you know, like you kind of like you always assume the coasts are always uh, yeah. kind of those like early adopter. you know, they go yeah. fat, like they're already buying things all D to C, but we're seeing across the country now because no one wants to go to the store, you know? And yeah. so, I mean, now it's getting back to a little bit, I've been inspired by these brands and these entrepreneurs who've just done these fantastic pivots being like, you know, I was like whatever I don't need to get too much into the stories but I'm like oh my gosh it's so brilliant like we just like did this magician uh Dan White does like Uh an online magic show because he Uh used to be the magician at the Nomad and now he's doing it online and I'm like brilliant like that is brilliant you know and kind of just quickly adapting luckily we didn't have to we're already online but yeah it's wild. It's wild
0: it is it is and I think it's you know everything that we're reading and hearing about is that what we expected to take the market 10 years to get to in terms of habits just got shortlined into last year like all of a sudden it was those things that we thought people would be shopping for constantly continually 10 years from now is it's happening now and so a lot of businesses i think have had to rethink what's their long game whether you're a brick and mortar or whether your product is sold to other businesses. And then because you're in that supply chain, you don't have any control over the customer and the way the customer is using it. So good for you for getting getting in on that D2C thing early and to really being able to capitalize on it for so many reasons. So I don't want to end this without asking you for sort of one piece of entrepreneurial advice that you would like our listeners to take away from you whether it's from your experience from pivoting from core values anything or anything that I didn't mention like what's something you want to leave them with
1: okay i wish someone would have said this to me mm-hmm. and now i'm starting to talking to my friends who are running you know companies that are even like bigger and more successful than mine like kind of talking to them and going to them for guidance like i've learned how important this is to know We're all figuring this out (laughs) and there's definitely no one who has all the answers and to continue to get better, right? Like spend a lot of time researching yourself, talking to smart people, surrounding yourself with smart people as you can, you know, reading every book you can. That's all so important, but in the end, everyone is up against things where they don't know if what they're doing is going to work or not, you know, and just like have the confidence to, you know, make those choices and to continue going and just know that the reason things feel like, weird and uncertain is because you're on new ground and that's the whole point of being an entrepreneur is to be on the new ground and so get comfortable with the uncomfortable whatever cliche you need to think of but like we're all figuring this out yeah you know and so I think that would have been because he kept on thinking I was like oh people who run these companies like they must know what to do and they must you know and it's like yeah experience really helps but it's also we're all winging
0: it. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. We we did an interview some weeks ago with, actually maybe it was last week, but with a VC, a, a woman who runs a, a VC. She's a partner of a venture capital firm. And she talked a lot about like, you know, pedigree is great, but you're, you're stepping into unknown territory. Like you, it's about being resilient about, it's about the market. She talked about luck. You know, she talked about a mm-hmm. lot of things that, by definition, you are going to walk in new territory, whether it's new to you or to the to the industry or to the market, like like you said, by definition, that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. I so appreciate that as being your uh, piece of advice because I think a lot of times we hear the you can do it, the, the go girl message, which, yeah, thanks for rolling your eyes because that's what I normally do. <laughs> but it's, it's like, well, okay, th- that's great and thanks for the inspiration, but... Like, tell me how you really do it. Like, tell me yeah. what it really takes. And I think knowing that being armed with the knowledge that you are walking in unknown territory and it's supposed to be that way is that's really what people can take with them that. I actually think makes them feel more secure. Like, oh, it's supposed to be awkward. It's supposed to be unknown. I'm supposed to figure this out. It's okay to Google. How do you run a company remotely? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I, I just think that's that's the real inspiration. That's the good stuff. So thank you for that. Okay. I said last thing, but it's not really the last thing. The last thing is the, these five questions that I'm going to ask you and just Whatever comes to mind, Uh, we want to get to know you and have our listeners get to know you a little bit more. So in your opinion, what's the number one trait an entrepreneur must possess? Grit.
1: Yeah. You need grittiness. Yeah. tough you get yeah but it's okay worth it
0: it it, it is it is okay we we've had a few people come up with that answer and I think there needs to be a there is the Angela Duckworthy I think I said her name right book on grit but I think there needs to be one specifically for entrepreneurs because it's a whole different world I should say okay and then what app do you use for business what's your go-to app does the
1: G Suite count? Is that even an app? Um, but what I would say that I've been using a ton of recently is Splice, which is a Ooh. app to edit videos on your phone. Super easy. You can edit with whether it needs to be for Instagram, TikTok. Uh, just a really easy video editing. It's a it's a great great little. Okay,
0: I I'm gonna divert just really quickly and cheat yeah. and ask you one extra question because you said you guys are on TikTok and you're loving mm-hmm. it. What are you doing on TikTok?
1: videos. Oh man, TikTok is just so fun. And honestly, it's like even from a business standpoint, like where it's fine from a business standpoint. I just think it's so fun. And we're talking to our customers. The great thing is like you only have 60 seconds, so it's like you need to figure out how to convey these messages like real quick. And so I think it's like a great practice for our team to figure out how to convey our message and really abstract stuff in a concise way and in an entertaining way, which I think is just a really great muscle to have. And I just think it's it's just fun. It's just like a fun thing. And I think like it was all Gen Z and I think yeah. they're great. I can say this as a millennial, an elder millennial, yeah. you know, now it's getting a little older, which I think is yeah. great too, especially for our customer. But I just think it's like a fun, it's a fun place.
0: It's a fun so. place. Okay. We're going to follow mm-hmm. you on TikTok and, and do what you do. And we'll have <laughs> Liberty listeners, we'll have all the handles and anything else that was amazing that Lindsay mm-hmm. mentioned that you need to, to pay attention to or access. When you first got a little bit of money, so outside of your $1,000 tablet making machine, what was the first thing you hired for? Like the first person that you're like, I'm going to hand this off. Customer support.
1: Uh, but I still was doing customer support, but I literally was so inundated with all the questions that I was like, I need someone else to help. So customer su- having a customer support person was the first okay, person. Okay, awesome. And that was and all was my like... Sister-in-law. <laughs> my oh, sister-in-law. Oh, we love, <laughs> <we> love sister in <laughs> then she, she has since gone. I mean, she's still <laughs> my sister-in-law. <laughs> she's like, I'm out of here. Like that was like a mercy mission for her. And now we have an amazing wow. customer support team.
0: who all That's who, awesome. So. And yeah. <laughs> these are like, they're answering emails and 1-800 calls. I don't know if you have an eight hundred number, but that's the concept. Yeah, there are okay.
1: yeah emails and and okay. inboxes.
0: Okay, awesome. And then I say this is the most important question: Red vines or Twizzlers? What's your preference? Oh.
1: What a controversy. Um, I like <laughs> Twizzlers. <laughs> oh, I, but no. I'm in a, i am in know, I know. And I'm in LA. Like, I, I know. Listening, you have to understand that that is like sacrilege it to is. say. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is.
0: And it's funny because I can almost tell when I'm interviewing people if they're East Coast or West Coast by this answer. <gasps>
1: And I was going to say that because I'm East Coast, but I've lived yeah. on the West Coast for 12 years, but I'm still a ride or die Twizzler. Like, See, and I
0: <laughs> I was the opposite. I lived in New York City for a while, and my friends from the West Coast used to send me Red Vines. Love to, it. Yeah, because I'd go would, to the movies, and I was like, that's like not having popcorn. Like, I didn't understand.
1: So, that's so – because I would be on set, and like, I don't know if you know, because like it, every TV set you will be on in Los Angeles, there are gigantic barrels I'm sure. of Red Vine. No doubt. And I was like – what is this bootleg twizzler? I'm like, this is not, I was like, where? And they were like, no, we're, this is, this it's is the other way around. Red lines, yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, all right. I do like them now.
0: I, I, they've grown. Up okay, now. good, good, yeah. good, good, good. There's an old SNL skit with Andy Samberg. And I can't remember, I feel bad who the other guy is, but they're doing, um, it's a parody rap about Lord of the Rings. I can't remember what it was about now. That's terrible. But in it is, magnolia cupcakes and twizzlers and then the guy the other guy is like no on the west coast like it's sprinkles and um and red vines it's hilarious anyway anyway that's awesome yeah this fast five is not going fast sorry
1: you let Um, me know if you need some red (laughs) vines i'm happy to send them your way
0: (laughs) we have a tub we have a tub at my house
1: great you got the hookup
0: and then the final question the podcast is called liberty for her that's our brand that's our community we really want to liberate women to pursue their entrepreneurial dreams. What does it mean when you hear the word liberty? What does it mean for you, Lindsay?
1: For me, it means to uh, be able to spend my time working on something that I think is is in alignment with me. So I definitely would say that having your own business doesn't always feel liberating. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's it's a very good responsibility. You know, you have a team, you want to be able to win for them, but I think in the end, what it means is that our company is going in a direction and we're doing what I think in the world needs to be done to make it better. Mm. And I think that that is an incredibly awesome and liberating thing. And that's so, awesome. uh, yeah, it's like all of the, you know, vacations in the world <laughs> will not make up for that. Anybody who's starting their business, if it feels like, man, I'm, I'm becoming like a workaholic or what it's like, that's the beginning of a business and that's okay. I'm still there. And for me, the, the freedom of that is being able to create something that I just, it's doing what I, what the good that I want to do in the world.
0: So yeah. Thank you for that answer. <laughs> thank you for the good that you're doing in the world, and thank you. Uh, All right.
1: Now that I said <laughs> no. it, I'm like, oh crap. That's like no, no. I said <laughs> it. I said like, it.
0: Like, no. I said. But uh, it's not. It's not just. I mean, it. It is. You can say it's just toothpaste, but everything mm-hmm. we're doing is just something, right? It's the collective good and how it impacts the world, and we appreciate it so much. Okay. And thank, thank you. you for coming on and talking with us and um, yeah. letting us pick your brain and telling your story. I really appreciate it. And it's so nice to get to know you.
1: Yeah, so nice to get to know you too. And thanks for doing this. We need more awesome female entrepreneurs.
0: Yes, we We, do. Yes, we do. We're working on it. We're doing our part. We're doing our part. (laughs) So Liberty listeners, thank you for listening. Thanks for taking an hour of your day to hang out with Lindsay and I. And I'm sure that uh, her wisdom and her experience inspired you. And until next week, we'll talk again soon. Bye. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.